Hello and welcome to another edition of Deeper and it is so good to have you with us. It is also a real delight to have Beck. Hello Beck, how are you doing? Hello, I'm all right, thank you. Good. How are you back from your holidays? Oh, I was uh, entirely rested until this morning uh, when I looked at my email list and then, yeah. It feels <laughs> like the holiday is already a long time away. Um, but there it is. That's what holidays are like, isn't it? Um so if you haven't seen it, I would encourage you to watch uh, Beck's sermon on our service online. And uh, it was on humility, wasn't it? It was, yeah. yeah. Or gentleness. Or gentleness or meekness, depending on whichever translation you want to look at. Uh, and so Beck looked at um, a passage, Luke 14, 7 to 14. Um, and we'd love you to read that passage now. So why don't you press pause, read the passage uh, and maybe even read it in a couple of different versions. It's always good to do that. And then restart the video. Fantastic. Okay, we're going to do what we normally do. We're going to go through it verse by verse first. Then we're going to think about some application points and then some questions for you to consider. So here we are. Um, first of all, let's just explain what the context here is. Because um, the, the verse starts kind of partway through a story, doesn't it? Um, do you want to explain where the context is, or do you want me to? Um, no, I can do that. You do that. Go on, Beck. Okay, so the context is Jesus um, has gone to one of the Pharisees' house for a Sabbath day meal, um, and there's a guy probably hanging around in the courtyard, um, and Jesus heals him and sort of challenges them as to, he's, he's been having this like ongoing discourse with them about healing people, on the Sabbath um, and so he heals this guy and he says you know come on if, if your child fell down a well would you not fish them out because it was the Sabbath so God cares about his people even on the Sabbath day um, and then they, they go in to sit down for this meal and he notices the way they're arranging themselves around the table um, and I think he wants to continue to sort of challenge them a bit about how they're viewing themselves and how they're viewing other people yeah good that's a good summary of the context thank you uh and and so we see verse seven don't we uh straight away what's going on he sees what's this kind of toing and throwing this kind of jockeying for position uh and you brought this up really well about the culture of the day uh do you just want to explain a little bit about that about the kind of honor and shame thing yeah so so the whole culture of the sort of Roman world at the time um, was around this idea of honour and shame and they were arranging themselves constantly so if you went to an event you would be arranged by um, your position in society um, and there were things that brought you honour and things that brought you shame and, and you were kind of constantly managing your reputation mm. um, and sort of trying to improve your position potentially um, and I think that's that's really what Jesus is getting into with them here is that that's not the way of God's kingdom. Exactly. And and it was quite extensive, the whole honour thing. You know, it, uh, if you it, if you were honoured, it would determine who you could marry, who you could do business with, where you could live, all those kind of things. So it was quite a serious business. If you were low down the pecking order, you would have less opportunity. And uh, it wasn't necessarily about wealth. It was about honour, reputation, 
all those kind of things. And if you did anything that brought shame on your family, you were already right down the bottom of the list. Um, so there's this kind of constant pecking order going on, you know, people kind of jockeying for position, uh, which is fascinating, isn't it? I mean, I, I'd love to have seen some of that. It feels a little bit alien to us, but um, it's probably not that alien. And we'll get into that in a minute. We'll, we'll get into some of that in a minute. Um, so uh, clearly people are trying to position themselves. Uh, verse 8, Jesus uh, starts to tell them a parable. Uh, so what do you see in verse 8? He does. Well, I, I, um, I love the way Jesus addresses things with stories. And it's, a, it's a brilliant sort of Jewish tradition, isn't it? This, this telling stories and educating each other through stories. Um, so one of the things I, I noticed was, was exactly that, that, that being given opportunity to tell stories and to tell your story is a really important part of honouring somebody, isn't it? Um, and and so so Jesus has given some honour in being allowed to sort of question them and tell them a story and listen um, to what he's got to say. Um, but what strikes me initially is if, if you've ever tried to arrange some people around a table. <laughs> so G Jesus said, you know, when someone invites you to a wedding feast, don't sit down in the best place. Well, we don't really have that problem anymore, do we? Because we that that problem is, is dealt with much yeah. earlier on in that terrible day of planning where you have to plan the <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um but you know but Jesus sort of starts them off on this put, puts them in this place um and sets this scene for them of like you've been invited mm. and, and I think that's what strikes me is obviously this is a parable and um, so it's got it's got multiple layers of meaning and um, but what I spot immediately is you've been invited in the first place um, and, and that's a particular perhaps a particular sort of layer with um, the Jewish Christians and the, the non-Jewish Christians and that, that sense of these are the people who God is inviting into this party and yeah. um, there's loads and loads of parties in Luke, isn't there? He's, he's quite, it's quite a theme for him about what the kingdom looks like. Indeed. Um, and and it is a, that in itself is a parable for the kingdom, isn't it? Uh, yeah. And it's really interesting, I think, that Jesus talks about, uh, of all the feasts he could talk about, he talks about a wedding feast, which, you know, for us, we know that, you know, that the whole kind of, of hev heaven is described as a, you know, the wedding feast of the Lamb. Uh, so there's something here, I think, about the bigger context. It's not just about honour and shame. He's saying something bigger here. You've been invited. What to? Well, you've been invited to eternity with, with God. That's what you've been invited to. And, uh, and I think there's probably, as we look on, there's a bit of a dig uh, at the Pharisees. Because the Pharisees always, so, you know, we see it con constantly. You know, they were the, probably uh, the most zealous people for God amongst their peers. But that brought with a whole bunch of arrogance and um, kind of misinformation and slight twisting of scriptures and all those kind of things. Uh, but it's, I think he's probably having a go. And he's having a little dig at the Pharisees. You know, everyone's been invited to the wedding feast and all you're worried about is honour and shame and seeing yourselves as above other people. Uh, 
so we uh, what we see here is uh, you know you've been invited, and um, he says, "Do not take the place of honor because some more distinguished may have may also have been invited." So don't kind of put yourself too high up. Uh, which all sound, it sounds very kind of common sense, doesn't it? And then he says in verse nine, because uh, the host may ask you to go and sit in the lower place. And so that would bring shame. And, you know, who wants that? Who wants to be put in the worst place? Uh, is there anything that you see in verse nine here that strikes you? So, I mean, it, it's it's good common sense, isn't it? This this sort of don't put yourself too high up. You might get busted down in this society. Yeah. This was good common sense advice. Um, it echoes some stuff um, from Proverbs. It echoes sort of just social etiquette of the time. Um, but it, it's interesting. I said this on Sunday that it, it almost sounds like Jesus is affirming this approach, isn't it? You know, measure yourself up, get a, get good at knowing where you sit and <laughs> make sure you don't sit yourself too high up. If you need to sit lower down, it's better that than... It, it sort of sounds all very practical, but like you say, there's this underlying meaning of, like, not seeing yourself, not trying to put yourself too high up, not trying to jostle for position. Um, I think it comes back to what you said before about layers of meaning. You know, there is this kind of very common sense thing about when you go to a party, you know, do this. But when when you throw in it, this is Jesus teaching and he might be teaching about kind of the kingdom of God, um, that he's saying something else here, isn't he? He's saying, you know, basically he's saying don't be spiritually arrogant. Yeah. You know, don't don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. You know, it's there's a it kind of corresponds with a lot of things both he and Paul and Peter say. Um, it really strikes but, me here that the hosts invited both of you as well, that that sort of, with that le- double layer on, yeah. you know, that that it's God is inviting these other people into, into this. It's not yours to choose who comes and who doesn't. Yeah. There's this host in the mix as well. That's right. And then in verse 10, uh, Jesus says, you know, take the lowest place because then you might be invited to a higher position, which is the kind of the uh, the counterpoint to what he says. Um, in other words, don't exalt yourself. Let others exalt you. Let, you know, let other people do the work of that. Um, and then verse 11, uh, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. What, what do you see there? It's this, this whole paradoxical idea of the kingdom of heaven, isn't it? That the first will be last and the last will be first. And um, mm. I think what it offers us as well is a, a way to live peacefully because there's no need to fight for your position if you, if you will just do what's in front of you, sit where you find yourself. Yeah. then you will find yourself moved up. God will honour you. God will give you position and, and place that's right um, without all the striving of, of trying to get yourself somewhere that, that maybe isn't God's plan for you. Indeed. And, and you know, you, you kind of answer the question, though, because that I had in my mind when I first read it, it's like, well, who does the exalting? Are we counting on other people to do it? Uh, but... In the kingdom of God, it's God who exalts, isn't it? And uh, I came across a verse in Psalm 75, 
uh, where it says it is God who judges. He brings one down and he exalts another. And um, in the end, when we face judgment, we'll kind of all know where we stand. We're either with the sheep or with the goats. Yeah, we're in or we're out. And it'll all be as simple as that in the end. And then Jesus changes tack because this actually the, the, the 12 to 14 is the second parable and then there's a third one after this isn't it which says a very similar thing mm-hmm. uh so let's let's re- treat 12 to 14 as a kind of uh lump so what do you see in here this is really interesting to me so he, he sort of switches doesn't he from you've been invited to something and this is how you behave mm-hmm. to you there's there's an onus on you to invite um and if we think about this missionally you know who who do we sort of relate with and how do we sit with people the way jesus would sit with them um sort of making people comfortable and being comfortable around all kinds of different people um i think there's a real risk in the church isn't there that we only invite people who are like us and we can only almost like we can only imagine people who are like us um, being able to take their place. Um, and it, so it's a really interesting challenge when we think about it that way to, I don't, I don't think Jesus is saying you shouldn't ever eat with your friends and family because I think Jesus did quite a lot of that. But I think it's more about, you know, being able to welcome whoever God puts in your path. I hadn't noticed that. It goes from being invited to inviting. I hadn't noticed that. That's a really good point. Um, uh, I mean, just thinking about it, it there is a something about if you, I mean, if we, if we understand ourselves properly and understand our sinfulness, if you've been invited as a sinful person, then you should be open to inviting everyone along to the kingdom of God. Because if you're invited, they deserve to be invited to whoever they are. But yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and there's a whole thing here, isn't it, about you know not doing things simply for selfish gain. You know, it's because if you invite the poor, they can't repay you. Uh, you invite your friends and family, you kind of expect an invitation back. You know, so uh, uh, I mean, Angela and I have had this conversation loads of times with friends. You know, oh, should we invite so and so for a meal? We haven't seen them for a couple of years, and it's like Andrew and I say, well. Yeah, we had them here last time. They haven't invited us since. And it's like, mm, what do you do with that? Do you take that as a snub? Do you, or have they just forgotten? Or do you act graciously? And uh, of course, we always try to act graciously most of the time. But uh, it is a there's a kind of reciprocal thing that you expect, isn't it? That you know, if you invite someone, that they might invite you back, and and you can and people use that to their advantage in some ways. Again, thinking a bit about that as as us as church, um, you know, if we invite all people who we think we can create a very jolly community with and have a really happy time with, but we don't invite anyone who challenges us mm. or who's not necessarily going to be able to contribute a great deal to our life as a community, but who we might be a real blessing to, um, that isn't the way that Jesus is talking here, is it? It's it's about opening ourselves up to people who we might not expect very much back from yeah. in lots of different ways. Absolutely. And when you look at you know, the people he's talking about here, um, 
you know, the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. They were people who certainly in, in that context contributed very little to life generally. They were people who um, relied on others to be fed, to be looked after, to be cared for, um, you know, much, much more so than today were, you know, people with various um, uh, disabilities or uh, issues can live self-sufficient lives. Um, it's not that way in Jesus' time. Um, so, you know, these are people who truly couldn't pay you back in any kind of way at all. You are simply giving for giving's sake. Yeah. And potentially um, that association issue of you might do their social standing a great deal of good, but they might do yours some damage and there's some risk taking, isn't there, in, yeah. in opening ourselves up to... Yeah, that's right. And, yeah, I think for us today, it's certainly important that we don't take um, uh, what Jesus says, you know, the, the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, too, literally, because he's talking simply about people who are being shunned. And yeah. in our day, that can be very different. You know, uh, you can be talking about people with uh, mental health problems or, or who have their own reputation issues. You know, there's all sorts of reasons why people may get shunned. Um and we're to be as open to inviting them uh, as anyone else. And then uh, it finishes uh, with, uh, although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So it's not that you don't get anything back. It's just not in this life. Yeah. Uh, at some point, you reap the reward of, of what you've done. Yeah, and, and reap the reward, you know, well, I think there's something now about reaping the reward of a richness of community. If you're sharing your life with all different kinds of people from different backgrounds who, who have different life experiences to offer. And, but also that's what, what we're hoping for in, in the kingdom, isn't it? That it's going to be a really rich community around yeah. worship of God. And, and so that's, There'll, there'll be something about that in the reward, I think, that, that we'll have this more fully yeah. um, represented humanity yeah. by having people who are different to us, who are challenged to us. Yeah. And I love that, the, you know, the context of all of this is, is effectively a party. Um, and you, you'd want to enjoy yourself as a party, wouldn't you? you know, if you're not enjoying yourself, it's not much of a party. Yeah. Uh, and it, I think that the idea comes across here is that no matter who you are with, whether it's the least of the least, enjoy being there. If you are sat in the lowest place, enjoy being there. Because, you know, I don't know about you, but if I was sat in the lowest place and I'd been placed there, I would have a gob on me. I'd be like, you know, I'd be miserable all night. Uh, but there's something here about Jesus saying, you know, be content in those places. Enjoy being in those places. Because um, if it's a party, you're meant to have fun. And there's something I think we can all learn from that, isn't it, about finding enjoyment and joy and fun in all sorts of different contexts, not just with the people that we like. Yeah. Let's move on to uh, just thinking out some of the uh, applications of this uh, by going a little bit wider. So here we are. Let's uh, think about some of the application points. Where, where do you want to start, Beck? What would you like to start with? 
So I think one of the really important themes in the passage is around um, being able to be comfortable in different situations and with different kinds of people, people who are like us and people who are quite different to us. And I wonder how we can sort of grow our um grow ourselves to be like those warm people that, that I talked about that that can accept and welcome anybody and and make a place for anybody in any situation. Yeah, that's good. I mean you talked uh, uh on Sunday about um not wanting to be cool because you'll be cool when you're dead. I like that I don't know where the quote came from but I like that quote. Um but being warm is completely different. It's about an openness to people, to all people, which I really like. And I think kind of alongside that as well, that there's a, um, a thing about not comparing ourselves. You know, we, we talk about comparison being a kind of modern problem because of the whole social media thing. We are constantly comparing our lives, what other people are doing. You see it on TV, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and yet here in Jesus' day, that's exactly what they're doing. They're comparing their themselves not necessarily their lives but themselves with other people and creating a pecking order um and in the kingdom of god we need to be beyond that we need to move way beyond that uh, because we should see ourselves as all people who have fallen short who are in need of god need of his grace need of his love we are all the same in that way uh, so i think there's something there about us uh, not comparing ourselves yeah, an incredible freedom that comes from not having those comparisons yeah. in your mind does free you up to, to love people more fully, doesn't it? Because you're not trying to go, well, you know, how could I get that position? Yeah. yeah. And if you're comparing yourself all the time, yourself all the time it, it leads to discontent. Yeah. Because there's always someone in a better place than you. Always, you know, and... Uh, what you never see are those in a worse place than you. I mean, people who are really stuck in the comparison never see those things. They go onto social media and they, they skip over the negative posts and only focus on those posts where people are doing incredible things on incredible holidays or just got an incredible kitchen or all that kind of stuff and wish they were like that. Yeah. They're realizing their life is already so much better than the vast majority of other people's lives. So I think there is something there about comparison. I think for me, there's another point in that um, Jesus is speaking specifically to the Pharisees who were incredibly zealous for God, um, would become arrogant with it. And I think there's a danger for all of us who, uh, unless we're careful, can become spiritually arrogant. Um, you quite often see it with young Christians. You know, they, they especially, it depends on how they've come to faith, but, uh, you know, they get to know Jesus and they're flying and they're looking at the church and saying, there's so much wrong with the church, I'll make it better. Uh, or looking at non-Christians and saying how bad their lives are and all that kind of stuff. Um, we can, can become quite conceited uh, if we're not careful. Um, and, you know, for me, what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees is trying to just say, you know, get, uh, it's what Paul, Paul says in Romans 12, you know, look at yourself with sober judgment, you know, yeah. and, and you brought that out on Sunday, didn't you? It's not about you're, you're worse than everyone else and you're not better than everyone else. You see yourself in a kind of with sober judgment, understand your weaknesses, 
understand your strengths and live with that, you know, and, and try and um, work with that. I think sometimes we can get really, um, we, we don't like to focus too much on um, sin, do we? And particularly in our tradition, um, one of the things I've loved learning from my Anglo-Catholic uh, brothers and sisters is that they're quite good at going, actually, I'm, I'm not brilliant. <laughs> I'm not brilliant and I get loads of things wrong. Um, and when we, I think when we find ourselves getting a bit spiritually arrogant, that's quite a good way to redress that is to, to make ourselves a bit aware of how often do I really need to be fished out of my messes by Jesus? How often do I say the wrong thing or mess it up or, you know? I think that brings, brings it to the, the last point is um, if we're going to compare ourselves with anyone, we need to compare ourselves with Jesus. He's the only one that we should compare ourselves with. And we'll always fall short of Jesus, but he cr- provides the model that we aspire to. Yeah. When it comes to humility, you know, he is the epitome of humility. You know, here he is, the son of God on a cross for us, you know, dying for our sin. And um, I mean, I, I, I always love Philippians chapter two. It's, it's a great poetic, magnificent passage that talks about the humility of Christ. Uh, and in 2.5, it says, uh, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality of God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And that, to me, is a description of humility. You know, he, the, the most highest being in all of the universe and all of creation and, and beyond, uh, and yet he takes the form of a servant. And, and this whole idea of humility is about being Christ-like. So let's, um, let's think of some questions for people to consider. So we're going to think now about some questions for you to consider, either in your groups or on your own. Uh, do you want to start, Beck? So this one will probably be a bit more fun if you are in a group. Uh, but we talked a little bit earlier, I talked a bit earlier about um, the infamous seating plan. Uh, and I wondered whether you have any funny experiences of trying to create a seating plan, maybe when you were hosting a party or a wedding or something, um, or whether you found yourself sat on a particularly interesting table at an event. Um, that you would love to share with each other and, and laugh and and share those experiences together. Yeah, and when that goes wrong, it can go badly wrong, can't it? So yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I've also got a question that's a little bit more of a kind of um, sharing, using your imagination type of question. Uh, where did Jesus sit at this table? It doesn't say in the passage. Um, and it's just interesting to kind of th- think, well, where did the, the host place him? Did Jesus deliberately sit at one end? You know, where was he in the pecking order? Where uh, do you sit after you've told that story? <laughs> yeah, he's telling the story. I mean, if he'd placed himself at the top, it wouldn't look good, would it? So just, just kind of use your imagination and, and reflect on what's going on here and uh, ask the question, where did Jesus sit? Next question, Beck. Okay, so who do you find yourself most comfortable with? Um, and who do you find yourself least comfortable with? Who do you find it a bit of a challenge um, maybe to have sort of relaxed conversation with? Or um, 
I suppose think about how you might practice stepping into your challenge zone uh, in the next week or two how can you sort of set up an opportunity to to make yourself more comfortable um, around people who you might find difficult when you say who you're not talking about necessarily it might be but not necessarily specific people but maybe types of people types of people yeah so if you if you're not normally somebody who would speak with um, children or young people very comfortably you might want to take an opportunity to just have a short interaction with somebody not have to invite them around for a dinner party just just to think about how you express that welcome that Jesus offered to everybody, mm. to people who maybe you wouldn't naturally do that with. Good. Okay. Uh, I suppose my question kind of bounces off that a little bit as well. And uh, um, how do you avoid comparing yourself with others? Because if you are constantly in a place where you're challenging uh, yourself to be with people who aren't like you, you will compare yourself. Uh, so how do you avoid that? How can you become more content with who? you are who God has created you to be uh, and a final question um, look at verse 13 uh, what does that look like in your life who should you be inviting for a meal or for a coffee people you just don't normally associate with or perhaps who are shunned by others who could you invite fantastic so uh, it's been so good to have everyone with us today and uh Beck, it's been lovely to have a chat with you again. Um, do please join us for Sunday uh, with the final in our sermon series called Bear Fruit. We are looking at self-control. And of course, join us next Tuesday for another edition of Deeper. Until then, take care. Goodbye.